Welcome to Season 3 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Garrett McMillan, a new sophomore on this year's Alabama baseball team, and thanks to our new NIL regulations, I can be paid a nominal amount to promote this podcast. A very nominal amount. Is there another word for less than nominal? Just stick to the script, Garrett. Okay. Tom and JT will be rambling on about SEC football again this year with a high lean on the Crimson Tide. Hey, have you guys ever considered I'm not bucking, you're bucking? Garrett, the script. Okay. Here are your hosts, Tom and JT. Welcome to Season 3. Everybody, welcome into episode 13, season three of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm half your host team, JT, with Tom. Tom, how's it going? Let us know you're what here. What up? I'm here. I'm here and accounted for. Why do I feel like we're gonna get Cancun Part Two? We're not. We're not. We're not there. <laughs> <laughs> we're not that. We were working on it, but we're not there. Okay. I did. Good. I did spend all day on the uh, Monday afternoon. Uh, vendor sponsored golf tournament so that was i say afternoon we started about 10 this morning but uh i i have enjoyed myself today it was not a typical work day for me and i made the most out of it let's say that well a wise man once told me tom that you you can't drink all day if you don't start before noon that is a great point that is a great point so (laughs) check this one off as one for the good guys (laughs) Uh, i guess i've (laughs) I guess I'm toting the to, lifting the doing the heavy lifting tonight. Get it out in the <laughs> yes, <morning. laughs> you, you'll hear a lot of that from me tonight. Yes, <laughs> I agree. I concur. You know, I've been listening. <laughs> I listen occasionally to our you know our podcast, and uh, a lot of times I forget what we say, and I have to kind of go back to brush up on it. And I'm terrible at saying I couldn't agree more, or I always say I, I agree. I agree with that. Let's move to the next topic. I've, <laughs> I, I gotta mix it up, you know. I love it when you say you agree, though. That really <laughs> means that I've taken a point and I've driven it home. It's just a good segue, dude. Don't get all don't get all fat and happy over there. <laughs> all right, so I've got commentary. Enough enough chit chat. I've got commentary tonight, and we're gonna talk about a couple of things. We're gonna talk about the the QB wars for the Heisman Trophy. And we're going to talk about Oklahoma versus Bama, which, as you know, Oklahoma went into last week ranked third. Bama, we're talking AP poll here. Uh, Oklahoma ranked third, Bama ranked fourth. And after this weekend, we jumped them. And I, I want to discuss that and, and discuss I, – I think I'm – I feel like I make some really good points here. I hope you concur. I, I really feel like <laughs> your state of mind that you will concur. So, okay, the, the quarterbacks – this past weekend, uh, quarterback one, he went 18 of 30 for 176 yards and two touchdowns. Seems that, a little pedestrian. That, that Maybe so. I don't know. But, you know, the, he really got chatted up for the Heisman on his broadcast. Mm. And uh, the quarterback number two in question went 15 of 20, 178 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. And then the third quarterback well. in question, and uh, I mean, he was within two yards, great completion percentage, 75% completion percentage. Two yards more than QB one, and had two touchdowns as well, but had did throw one interception, and then QB three went thirty-one of forty-three, three hundred seventy-one yards, two touchdowns through the air, and two with his legs. 
Thank you very much. But you know, if you I, listen who? to the media, they're going to tell you that QB1 and QB2 are the favorites for the Heisman. Vegas does not agree, however. But I have never seen – I was watching – Gober came over to pregame a little early, and we caught the end of the Oklahoma-Kansas game. And, you know, yes, uh, Caleb Williams' his name, you know, he, he grabbed – he had his Heisman moment. He grabbed the ball from the running back that's about to be stopped on fourth down and <laughs> would have really put them in peril to, to lose the game because Kansas is about to take over down five with, uh, you know, I don't know, plenty of time left. I mean, they, they could – if they, you know, first and ten, second and seven, third and three, move the chains, I don't know that Oklahoma would have got the ball back in time to do anything with it. And, of course, the second quarterback was Matt Corral. Very good quarterback. I mean, he just really lit up Tennessee uh, through the air and, and with his legs. But, I mean, 15 to 21, 78 against LSU. Let's, let's see what Bryce does in two weeks against LSU. I want to say he does more than that. And then, of course, Bryce just really played – outstanding uh against against tennessee you know and we had a we had another drop seems like one dropped the ball kind of early so it just but on the other two broadcasts the Ole miss lsu broadcast and then the oklahoma kansas broadcast both the announcers like mentioned the heisman a number of times you know boy that's heisman trophy material there that's a heisman play and so our game comes along and you got greg beckeroy who Played at the University of Alabama under Nick Saban, won a national title. He, I don't think he ever mentioned Heisman Trophy one time. And, I mean, Greg covers the SEC. He's with the SEC Network, correct? He is. I mean, pimp your, pimp your guy for a number of reasons. One, he plays at Bama. You don't think Charles Barkley, if, if basketball had a Heisman, you don't think Charles Barkley would be stumping for the Auburn guy if he was favored to win the Heisman in basketball? He would mention it every breath. It just drives me crazy that we – any other quarterback – I'm sorry, I'm jumping around, I'm stuttering, I'm stammering. Any – if Bryce Young – like the, the, the three quarterback numbers I just gave you, and, of course, the last one was Bryce, 31 or 43, 371, two touchdowns, two rushing. He does lead the Heisman voting – well, not Heisman voting. He leads the Heisman odds in Vegas right now. It's close. C.J. Stroud from Ohio State has made a move. Uh, Corral is mentioned, and then actually Caleb Williams is kind of on down the road. But, man, they are trying to push him so hard for the Heisman. It's like anybody but a Bama player because I'm going to tell you what, if Bryce Young played anywhere else in the in the conference, I mean, anywhere else in the nation, and I, the reason I stuttered around, I think I have screwed up on QB too. <laughs> I know, actually, I know I have. <laughs> <laughs> point still stands. Yeah, my point stands. Uh, actually, qu- quarterback two is Ritter from uh, from Cincinnati. Sorry about all those. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, can we start over? WKRP from Cincinnati. <laughs> well, anyway, the point stands. If Bryce Young played for anybody else but Alabama, I just feel like he would. They would push him and push him and push him for the Heisman. What if this guy played at Texas, Notre Dame, USC? I just feel like it'd be his to lose. And so that that ends the kind of the discussion on there, on on the Heisman. I want to talk about Oklahoma versus Bama. Okay. And as you saw, the AP poll is out. Uh, Texas A&M is ranked 14th. And I got to thinking about this, and it's not what is most impressive. I can't really – the best way I can describe it is what is least damaging 
because you can't say most impressive when when our most impressive when the the comparison is a Bama loss to an Oklahoma win because as we know you play to win the game. But what is what is least damaging? Okay, Alabama went on the road to Texas A&M, who's now ranked 14th. Yes, they were coming off a loss to Mississippi State, and they were out of the rankings, but now they're 14. I love how when we play a team that's ranked and then they flop, they're like, oh, well, you can't count that as a ranked win. Okay, well, what about when we play a team that's not ranked and they don't lose again and they finish the season in the top 10? Oh, well, you can't count that when you played them, they weren't ranked. It doesn't matter. It's the same team, you know? So we lost by three on the road, and I will be the first to say that we got dominated on both sides of the ball and in the special teams segment of the game. Do you agree with that? No, but go ahead. You don't agree. You don't agree that Texas A&M whipped us on both sides of the ball. Okay, well, I mean that's fine. Yeah, I don't. I don't agree that they dominated us. Good lord, no. Okay, oh, they, well, that's fine. We, we played a terrible game, and they and they played a better game. There's no doubt. They, play, they okay. got out in the they got out of the gates quick. I don't want to. I don't want to debate this, sir. But you know, hey, we had right, plenty well, of opportunities to win that yeah. game at the end. So being dominated is not in my okay. vocabulary. Well, then I'll change. I'll say that A and M, as you stated, they played the better game. Okay, so let's say they line up for that field goal to win the game, and we block it, and the thing rolls like a basketball towards our end zone. Jordan Battle picks it up, and we win by a margin of six. I don't remember what the final score was, 45-42 or something. But we win by six points. Does that one play take away the way, what happened during the other 59 minutes and 59 seconds? No, it, it just it, it instead of an L we have a W. Instead of a W for A and M they have an L. But ultimately, the game A and M played better than us up to that very last play. Okay, now let's look at Oklahoma. They've had two stinkers of a game. Tulane lost by five. Had the ball driving. If they score, the game is over. They don't even have to kick the extra point because they're only down by five. And, I don't, you know, you and I were in Vegas at that time. Were, did they throw an interception, miss it on downs? I don't remember. Uh, Tulane had the ball, I think, driving, and I think they just missed it on downs. I don't remember exactly. It was either. We were in it, Vegas for It was one six. of the two. And then, okay, Tulane's one and six. Okay. <laughs> so, this past weekend, they played uh, – Oklahoma played Kansas. Kansas shut them out in the first half. There's your Heisman Trophy winner, ladies and gentlemen. He put he put a goose egg up against the mighty Kansas Jayhawks, record one and six. He put a goose egg up in the first 30 minutes of play. It was a five-point game with less than a minute left, and Oklahoma punched it in because they Lincoln Riley knows he's going to fight to get in the playoffs because they, they're getting no respect. They deserve no respect. They're the worst undefeated team out there, as the polls show now. Uh, by jumping Bama. But my point is this, on the Tulane game and the Kansas game, would it really have mattered if Tulane would have scored as opposed to not scoring? Would it really have mattered if Kansas would have scored instead of, you know, they the fourth, they, they should have stopped Oklahoma on fourth down. Caleb rips a ball from his running back and, and converts. Does it really matter? Does it change the complexion of the game, the way the game is played? I know that yes, Oklahoma could have two losses. That definitely not some other playoffs. But I don't. I feel like Tulane and Kansas outplayed them the better portion of the game and just didn't win. 
So it's just sad now that we have no margin of error. But I think it shows that, yeah, if we run the table, we're going to be the number one. We're going to make the playoffs, and in my opinion, we're going to be the number one overall seed. I I agree with that sentiment as far as the uh, uh, Tulane, Kansas, and how the teams look. Because at the end of the day, you're, you're, you're correct. It's the same team whether they they win it at the end or they lose it at the end. They look just as bad throughout the whole thing. And <clears> – <throat> It reflects, I guess. I guess what I'm trying to reconcile in my mind, or trying to put into words, is that if you're comparing them to other teams, it's absolutely valid to take into account how they won those games because you could have easily been saying how they lost those games. And if you're stacking teams up head to head, then you know that a team like Alabama or any take any number of teams that play Oklahoma is a better team than them based on what you've seen on the field because that's all you got to see. You, you, you can't evaluate a team sometimes just on wins and losses, particularly in, in Oklahoma's case. Oklahoma's only won two games all year that's been double-digit wins, and Kansas was one of them because they got the garbage touchdown there in the last 20 seconds to make it a 12-point game. <laughs> I mean, that's only their second double-digit win of the year. They have been in single-digit games with every team on their schedule, which includes the Tulane's, which includes the – shoot, I can't remember who's over there. West Virginia, Kansas State possibly, Texas, all these teams that are lucky to have 10 wins between them. So uh, yeah, yeah, your 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 point is is definitely valid, and I agree with it one hundred percent. I hope that the playoff committee will also evaluate teams in such a circumstance. That's and to be honest with you, that is how they evaluate G five teams. Oh, the G five team is yes, they are twelve and one, they're thirteen and one, but who have they played? Who who have they been? Who have they beaten? Who who have they beaten convincingly? And that's the way they should look at Oklahoma's schedule. I I don't know if they will or not, but I agree. Oh oh, we were not supposed to say I agree in this episode. Sorry, <laughs> I concur. Well, you know, and I, I'm glad that you. My point rings so clear in my head when I think it out, and when I say it, and then I get on the podcast, I'm like, I don't feel like I'm making. The correct. You should practice in front of a mirror. Yeah, I probably should, but <laughs> but you but it, I think it it rang true to this this weekend because or this this week because you agreed. I mean, you you see where I'm coming from. I do. And it's just going to be sad if if Oklahoma loses a game and then still wins the Big Twelve, so they've got one loss. And and then let's say we just let's say we lose to Georgia by seven or less. And I know, yes, two losses, that's the cardinal sin in the playoff era. But, you you know, we're going to have – what's killing us right now is Florida has flopped. Miami has flopped. You know, there's two teams that that we play, you know, Florida in the east and then Miami out of conference. That, that You know, if Miami was had two losses right now and Florida would not have laid an egg against um, – what though Kentucky beat Kentucky them. Kentucky and, oh, and LSU. LSU. LSU beat them and, you know – like it'd be the so second nice. worst team in the West. Yeah, if if Ellis, I mean, if Florida just had the one loss right now, and then if they lost to Georgia by you know fourteen, that's what the line is, and then we go and we lose to Georgia by three, 
you know, our losses would be to the number one team in the country by three, and then if A&M continues to win, and so with two losses, they'll, what, they could probably creep up to eight. So Bama's two losses would be to number eight on the road and number one at a neutral site. You know, that is as compelling of an argument to get in the playoffs as an, a one-loss Oklahoma, even though they're Big 12 champs, because the Big 12's trash. Trash. Anyway. anyway. All right, let's cap the, re, uh, the Bama-Tennessee game. Uh, stop me if you've heard this one, Tom. Bama played sloppy but won. And covered. You're not stopping me. Yeah, that, yeah. you said stop you if I've heard it. Or I hadn't heard it. Did you say hadn't heard it or heard it? <laughs> I said I got stop confused. me if you've heard it. I <clears throat> oh, yeah, 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 stop. I hit the stop button. I'm just glad, <laughs> that my, just glad my internet hadn't crapped out. <laughs> But, you know, any win over Tennessee is a good win. I mean, there's a guy who came in the store today, and just, he just said it. I kind of felt like he'd lost interest in beating Tennessee. Man, don't no. No. Don't ever lose interest in beating Tennessee. They tried to bury our program. Philip Fulmer tried to kill us every way he got – every chance he got. I mean, he's a piece of garbage. He has turned the rivalry toxic. No, any win, I don't ever want to lose to Tennessee again. Such a good win. You know, with nine minutes left, or a little over nine minutes left, is a seven-point game. That's hard to believe. <laughs> we just went on a tear. I mean, we covered 26 and a half in the last nine and a half minutes of the game and uh, held them to under 75 yards rushing. You know, they had looked good with their quarterback. Of course, I think he was somewhat hindered from running. But, you know, he played well. Um you know, and this is one stat that really stuck out to me. You know, Tennessee dropped from the number four overall rushing team in the country to number 15 based on the game with Alabama. That's impressive. You know, if it was game three of the season, that's no big deal, you know, to drop nine spots or, or actually 11 spots. But to have that many games under your belt and where, you know, you, you remember mean, median, and mode – uh, you know, to have that outlier of 65 yards rushing or 70, yeah, I think, I, I think it was 64, uh, to have that outlier and it to cause them to drop 11 spots, that was very impressive. You know, we got people stepping up. Eight looked very good over the weekend. You know, one continues to shine. Roy Dale is looking good. Treshawn Holden, I believe that we found that third receiver we've been looking for, number 11, Treshawn Holden. Uh, you know, Slade Bolden, he has a, he has a, uh, he has a role on this team, but Treshawn is going to be able to take it the distance where I'm not sure Slade can. Uh, 19 played a little bit better, maybe Latouse played a lot more, a lot better than he had uh, than you know he did last weekend. So uh, yeah, I like where we're at going in the LSU game. We'll get the bye week, get people healthy. Hopefully, Drew Sanders can come back, man. You know we're still missing him on defense. I don't know what he had happen. But, you know, it's like he's week to week. Well, bro, we're in week three without him. You know, kind of need to get him back. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> to me, that game, just looking at it, just watching it from start to finish, obviously it was closer than we wanted to in the scoreboard, but there was such a, a wide discrepancy in quality of team if you're watching that game. We – we're too sloppy, as you already mentioned, and that concerns me. Seven games into the season, we shouldn't be as sloppy as, as we were. Uh, we put the ball on the ground. Once going in with uh, Williams, 
we put the ball on the ground again on the goal line, got it back, uh, although Heupel doesn't think that's the case. We had the roughing the punter. That resulted in an immediate touchdown for Tennessee. <clears throat> there were several just shoot-yourself-in-the-foot moments in the game, but from a 10,000 square square foot, how about vertical foot? A 10,000 vertical foot look at the game. We can... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's 3D if you look at it square feet. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think it'd be cubic feet, wouldn't it? I don't know. Carry on. Yeah. Anyway, but the offense looked good. Bryce looked good. They moved the ball really at will. There were a few breakdowns on offensive line that, again, kind of concerning – from a couple games ago, carried forward. We didn't we didn't have many concerns last week versus Mississippi State, but from Texas A&M to Tennessee, both both of them had some packages in there that give us some trouble in the offensive line. But overall, I mean, we put up 574 yards of offense. The game, in my mind, was not really in doubt it was just concerning when it was seven it was like you know this is not going to be as wide of a margin as i was expecting it wasn't going to be as a comfortable win as i was expecting but i never thought that tennessee was in the game and and what i mean by that is and you alluded to it they were one of the top rushing teams in the nation. They couldn't get to 100 yards rushing, couldn't even get to 75 yards rushing. Our defense actually played really well in that game. Believe it or not, I thought they played really well in the game. They had a couple of busted assignments. The, the long ball after the block punt was a safety bust. The touchdown pass, which they drove it all the way down the field to get that, so I'm not going to blame that entirely just on a bust. But that touchdown pass... On the goal line was another safety bust. I'm not sure what's going on with the safeties. I don't know. Who, who was it we lost in the first game of the year, the safety? I don't know that we did. We lost Allen, the defensive I, end. I, I thought we lost a, a safety early in the year. Uh, we lost Malachi Moore on the targeting, like the first drive against A&M. But, you know, he's the one that uh, – Targeting doesn't seem as permanent as what I'm thinking. No, uh, I don't know, dude. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just making that up. But, I think but, you are. Yeah, but, but if you're not, the listeners are going to remind us. Uh, yeah, dude. yeah, I'm sure. So, But 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 anyway, I, I thought I thought we played well outside of a couple of busted plays on, on defense. You know, if we don't have those, those – at least one busted play – this game is a 35-point game, uh, and maybe we don't turn it on as much in the fourth quarter. I mean, there's a lot of the, a lot of variables there. But overall, I wasn't disappointed in, in in the game. I thought holding them to less than 350 yards total offense and and under 75 yards rushing was a big plus. And the uh, the passing game defense could have been better, particularly on the busted coverages. But outside of they hit two or three long passes that counted for 150 to 200 yards total. Uh, it, it was a lot. So outside of that, they probably didn't have but another 100 yards passing the ball. So not not I'm not in, as disappointed as a lot of people were in the weekend's games, and, and I'm with you. A Tennessee win is always a good time. Yeah, you know – 
I'm like you. I never felt that we were going to lose that game. I was a rock the whole way through. You could ask Daryl. <laughs> I can imagine. Or Neutron. I think I text Neutron. I'm like, we're horrible. He's like, I agree. And then, I, and then we got the touchdown to pick six. I said, never mind. <laughs> but, you know, I, what, what I fear sums up this team, and I hope I'm wrong, it's like we're talking about the sloppiness. And last year, man, we're just so spoiled last year with all the professionals that we had on the team. And I'm not talking about the NFL. I'm talking about just the mentality of it's everything's a business trip. You know, you go on the road, it's a business trip. You you leave your dorm or you leave the hotel room in Tuscaloosa, it's a business trip. Fourth and 24, and we rough the punter. Not run into the punter. I'm like, you know, you can – you can, I can handle the run into the punter. You try to get the block, you don't, you hold up and you grab him and you keep him from falling and it's a five-yard repunt. We roughed him. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is just inexcusable at fourth and 24. Any Anytime it's over fourth and 15, that's unexcusable, inexcusable. Maybe any, Maybe at any time, but good gracious, man, just let the kid punt it and set up a return. I don't know. I, I'm hoping – that, that does not define our season with just kind of the sloppy play because we're going to run into teams, Auburn on the road, and if we make it to Atlanta, Georgia, you know, at the neutral side, they're, they're going to take advantage. You make one of those mistakes, that sloppy play, and it's going to cost you points, which it did. It cost us against Tennessee. Two plays later, they scored. So, you know, and that I think that's kind of what you're talking about is if we don't rough the punter there, the game could have got out of hand a lot sooner than it did. Yeah. And we and we fumbled on the ten yard line going in. That's a uh, <clears throat> that's a minimum of fourteen point swing, probably a twenty one point swing. If you know if you score going in and then you get the ball instead of giving up a touchdown, that's a uh, that's that's big. So uh, again, I think overall it was it was better than everyone thought it was in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. All Except right. Except for you, you're a rock. <laughs> Let's get to the game of the week. It's your favorite, Thomas, the cocktail bowl. I've been looking forward to this. <laughs> <laughs> of course, uh, better known as the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, <laughs> Georgia, Florida. If you've never been, you need to go. You know, we went, I think it was 2018. I know it was when uh, uh, Crazy Teeth was there at Florida. Um, swamp Swamp Donkey is what they called him. Um, he used to be <laughs> what's his name? He used to be at Bama, and they called they had a guy a picture of the guy naked on the shark. And everybody thought it was him. McElwain. <laughs> Thank you, McElwain was there. It was his last year, <laughs> dude. Before he got sat down in their seats, Georgia was up like fourteen nothing. It was a. It might have been twenty seventeen because I, I don't know. Anyway. You know, so I took Dad's motorhome down. I met Tack and Wink at the airport in Atlanta. And I'm like, and this was, um, okay, so this it's was. It's a weird place to meet somebody in a motorhome. Yeah, but it's, but it's okay. They had to fly in. I'm trying to think, did we get down there on a, we got down on a Thursday, I think, kind of late. And I'm like, man, we're this is great. We're going to be down, you know, early. We're going to beat the traffic by one day. Dude. See, they got they both have the bye week, and then I, you know, Jacksonville plays on the road. Uh, of course, the week, you know, this coming weekend, Jacksonville will be on the road, and it's not a college campus, so you can they can set up shop of tailgating whenever they get ready. We were the last motorhome parked. 
mean, it was ridiculous. But it's just one big party, and it is uh, it's sad. I wish we'd have gone when it was when it was a better game. I mean, because I think we left in the third quarter. But Georgia's fourteen and a half point favorite for good reason. They're the best team in the country, you know, hands down in my opinion right now. Uh, you know, if Georgia's going to be tested, it's going to be this week. I do have Georgia losing one game. I've got them getting to Atlanta at eleven and one. And, you know, maybe this is the game. I think I had them lose to Missouri. That looks like a genius pick. <laughs> <laughs> so, can I change that to Florida? You know, I, I think the Georgia holds the edge at every, at every position, in my opinion. With the exception of the intangible at quarterback, I know that uh, – I don't know what they're going to do with JT Daniels. Supposedly he's getting healthy. You know, the mailman, Stetson Bennett, has looked really good. Uh, but, you know, who have they played? I mean, they, they played Arkansas. Arkansas has lost three in a row. Um, they played Kentucky, and they played really well against Kentucky. But, I mean, let's be honest, dude. It's, it's getting close to basketball season. They're losing interest. So, my point is, is Florida's quarterbacks can be a thorn in the side of Georgia, especially uh, AR-15. You know, maybe he has that day – where he just, you know, maybe it's like Cam Newton against uh, LSU in 2010, where that's essentially the day he won the Heisman, you know, breaking off runs. And, and you know, maybe AR-15 just riddles the, the Georgia defense. Outside of that, I don't see a path for Florida winning, but I guess we can hope. I know Topher's hoping. He is. All right, so Georgia, after this game, faces Tennessee – Missouri, Charleston Southern, and Georgia Tech. I don't think those four teams could combine to make an all-star team that would be less than a 21-point dog to Georgia. That's Probably not. A, that's Probably a not. Pretty, pretty easy and convincing cakewalk to get to the SEC championship game. And not only that... After this game, they only have two. I just listed four teams, but only two of those are SEC. So they're they're two games from being complete with their SEC schedule. They'll actually be complete with their SEC schedule two games before the end of the season, and their their ticket will be punched, and they can game plan all they want. All right. So I say all that to say this. Who have we always said is the smartest minds in football? Nick Saban, Lane Kiffin. You hadn't hit it yet. Dan Mullen. Mm. <laughs> Kirby Smart. I'm lost here. The, Tim Las, Vegas, the Las Vegas Syndicate. <laughs> That was my next guess. You, I don't know why you spoiled it. I was about I to guess. I know. It. I knew you were going to get there eventually. <laughs> Vegas, Vegas, they they know better than most people the ins and outs of teams, the the margins, the whatnot, and that's why we we harped on it last week and. We, we've said it before, oh, this, this line's crazy. It shouldn't be here. Wisconsin was favored on the road against a ranked team last week. Humble brag, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, but we're familiar with that song and dance, all right? So now let me, let me throw this scenario out there at you. 
since Florida, what was Florida in the preseason rankings? I mean, were they top, top 10? I would say top 15, just guessing. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember exactly. You, you may be right. Between 10 to 15, they eat their way into the top. They were 10 when we played them, I think. 10 or 11, I think. Yes, yeah, yeah. something like that. So they, they were playing well. All right, so since the preseason rankings and, and now, would you say Florida's stock has gone up or down? Oh, for it's gone down. Yeah, has it gone down slightly or significantly, would you think? I'd say significantly. I mean, nobody had them at four and three heading into the Georgia game or four. What, yeah, I think they're four and three, five and three, whatever. Okay, I'll agree with that 100%. So now let me let me throw this at you. Alabama went to Florida when they were hyped and in the top ten and was a 21-point road favorite. Mm-hmm. Georgia is playing Florida on a neutral field this weekend after Florida has, according to you, tanked, and I agree <laughs> with that, but they're significantly worse than they were significantly worse than they were three weeks ago, and they're only fourteen point favorites. And Georgia and Georgia's stock has done nothing but skyrocket from week one. It has gotten better and better and better and better until we're here. Something don't jive with that, brother. I like where you're heading with this, Tom. For the record, yeah. Florida, preseason Florida was 13 in the AP, 11 in the coaches. Yeah. So, this is going to be a fourth quarter game. This game will be, as Corso says, closer than the experts think, except for the experts in Vegas because they know something. This is going to be a game that goes into a fourth quarter, and I really think it can go either way. I told you a while ago Georgia's final games of Tennessee, Missouri, Charleston Southern, Georgia Tech. What I failed to mention previous to that is that they have not played a quarterback yet. Arkansas was a good team, but that's not a quarterback that throws the ball. Kentucky runs the ball almost exclusively. I'm not even going to mention Auburn's quarterback. He doesn't throw the ball. That's their three biggest wins right there. Arkansas, Auburn's best receiver is number 47, Tom. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Arkansas, Auburn, and uh, who did I just say? Oh, Kentucky is, is Georgia's three biggest wins. None of them throw the ball. I think Georgia is in for a – little bit of a shock to the system this weekend when Florida plays some offense. And Mullins had two weeks, and Georgia's had the same two weeks, but Florida's got two weeks to prepare for this game. And they will come out throwing the ball, and it'll be something that Georgia has not seen all year. Now, Georgia very well makes step up and go, hey, we don't care whether you run or throw it. We've got an answer for you. But I think based on – the Vegas line and what I just talked about and them not seeing a passing game this year of this caliber. And let me compound that to say Georgia's offense is not spectacular. In, in the games that they've won against the, the, the good defensive teams, they've been held to reasonably good numbers i mean if you stop the other team three and out and you keep getting the ball 
you're going to run up some yards. But they have not been dominating people on offense. They have they have not been just running up absurd numbers. Their quarterbacks are not in the Heisman contention like Oklahoma's second stringer. Yeah, uh, he's played four games. That's right. So there's there's something to be said there for their offense. I th- they have a great time. I've been touting them this whole time, but there's something strange going on this weekend in this game, and I do think it will be a fourth quarter game, and they very well may get their first L of the season. Yeah, I I agree, and it's it's funny you mentioned the the fourth quarter because I in my notes actually my last note flipped over to the second page, so when I turned the page. I'll just read it verbatim. That said, I, that said, I have Georgia 34, Florida 17, with Georgia getting 10 points after the eight-minute mark in the fourth quarter to make it look worse than it actually was. So I'm, I, we're kind of sympathetic on that. Uh, you know, that would mean that going in at, at, in the fourth quarter with about eight minutes left, Georgia's up 24 to 17. So it's a one-score game, and I, I think Georgia kicks a field goal and gets a short field, pick six, something, you know, scoop and score, something of that nature to make it look worse. But I, I agree. And the thing – well, you brought up a great point that needs to be addressed in the conference office, and hopefully it will be when we expand, is the West, with Bama losing, even if we didn't lose to A&M. You know, everybody kind of had us pegged at 12-0. and 0, But with us losing to A&M, it is almost guaranteed that the West winner will not be decided – until the final weekend, you know, Thanksgiving weekend. Georgia, if they win against Florida, they're all but mathematically in. What would have to happen is Georgia would have to lose against Tennessee and who else they played? Missouri. Missouri. They'd have to drop both those games and Kentucky run the table to for Georgia not to go. So they're, they're basically in Atlanta – on November 1st, and, you know, Bama or Auburn or A&M or Ole Miss will be in Atlanta on November the, the 28th. So, I mean, all the hotel rooms are scooped up, all the tickets. You know, yeah, each school gets the allotment, but you have all those corporate tickets, the games in the state of Georgia. You know, Georgia fans can go ahead and start buying those secondary market tickets, and, you know, it, it'll be 65-35 uh, in Georgia's favor. And they, they need to do that. because. And I understand that Georgia plays – everybody has rivalry weekend. You know, Bama and Auburn is in the same conference. Uh, Mississippi State Ole Miss, same conference. LSU, Texas a and is that who they play or they play Arkansas? I can't – they changed it up recently. You know, they're in the same conference. You've got Georgia, South Carolina, Florida, and who else in the east? Kentucky. Kentucky. They play out of conference the last weekend. So, you know, the the east is wrapped up weeks in advance. And, and, and now that they're making us play a conference game before the last game because we have Arkansas and Auburn has South Carolina, you know, it, it can be a two-game swing. Towards the, towards the very end, and they really need to do something about that. I don't know that they will. hope they will, but who knows. Just another chip in the purse to complain about. Uh, I love to complain. So, I've got Georgia covering, but I've got it, like you, into the fourth quarter with some doubt. And, man, you know, maybe Florida makes those plays and Georgia takes a loss because they just look unbeatable right now, and that's going to be such a mental edge for them if they can make it to Atlanta and they've not been tested Granted, that can work against them if Bama comes out and punches them in the mouth. We're hoping Bama is there. But if we don't punch them in the mouth, then all of a sudden, like, dang, you know, how do we, how do you beat these guys? They hadn't been tested all year. So, I don't know. I, I'm anxious to watch it. But the, we're going to talk about Auburn Ole Miss a little bit kind of quickly. 
Uh, do we really trust Ole Miss in this situation? The answer is no. It's at Auburn, and I thought the voodoo had gone, but apparently the Scientologist Brian Harson has brought his own brand of voodoo with him. You know, you're. I just don't. I don't think that. You know, we've said this a number of times in the bar room, at work, on this podcast. Coaches go down to Auburn, and they quit doing what is working. Jimbo Fisher started chunking the ball all over the place three or four years ago, and he was just running roughshod over them, and they end up losing. And LSU, 1994, threw like three or four interceptions in the fourth quarter. All they had to do was run the ball and punt, run the ball and punt. Auburn hadn't done anything all day, and they got pick six after pick six. So, I, I, you know, it would be easy to say that Ole Miss goes down there and does what they do, but nope, we're going to see Corral have a brain fart. We're going to see Lane not do what he normally does with Corral, and I don't know, it's, it's, it's inexplainable, but I just, I've got Auburn winning and unfortunately winning pretty easily, which that light at the end of the tunnel, Bama fans, that is the Auburn train waiting on us for, in Jordan-Hare Stadium the Saturday of Thanksgiving. I agree with you on one point there. This game won't be close, but it won't be in Auburn's favor. Uh, Auburn is still not a good team. And I'm surprised that they beat Arkansas. That was the only surprise I've had so far. Because Auburn really has not – LSU is not a good win. I've already already went over that. Ole Miss proved that. Ole Miss beat LSU's lights out last week. Uh, so Auburn LSU, very similar teams. They really surprised me in the Arkansas game, but they, but they didn't surprise me that much because I was drunk and on a poker table. But you told me <laughs> I should be surprised about it. Uh, <laughs> so I'm still surprised. I'm shocked. <laughs> if, if if we had camera here, you'd just see my expression. It's shocked. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> nonetheless <laughs> coughing uh, up a cigar from Saturday excuse me <laughs> nonetheless uh, Ole Miss says they have a better team they have a good team we talked about this last week is I think they still are a dark horse candidate to get there and they are an underdog in this game per Vegas but I think the wrong team is favored here uh, Vegas don't know anything I don't, I don't know who thinks that they know everything they don't know anything uh, but Ole Miss goes on the road here. They get a big win. Auburn will not have an answer for that passing game of Ole Miss. Uh, Arkansas, no passing game. LSU, no passing game. Penn State, no passing game. Auburn's been playing teams that don't know how to move the ball. This will be the first time that they get to a squad that does, and I fully expect Ole Miss to take – Full advantage of that. I was trying to work in the word full three times. So I couldn't get the third one in. But full full advantage. I just said it twice just to hammer it home. <laughs> but I, I, I do. I do. I think Ole Miss wins this by double digit. I think they run it, win it running away in Auburn. This will be one of the games where you might see Knicks get pulled. Man, I, dude, I so hope you're right. And and so Topher hopes you're right, too. And so does Leland, if you catch my drift. Wank, wank. <laughs> All right, so we're we're definitely not simpatico on that game. Uh, we're going, you know, of course, this is a Bama podcast. Bama with the bye week this week, so we do try to cover some other teams in, in the conference. 
and uh, and the big games, which the Cocktail Bowl definitely falls in that category every year. So I, on this segment, I just put what does Bama have to do to improve to finish out the regular season at 11 and one, and we, we probably covered most of it in the uh, you know in the commentary and in the recap of the Tennessee game. You know we've got to get better on the offensive line. The pressure that is that Bryce is is taking is just upsetting based on you know Evan Neal is probably gonna be the top tackle taken so I mean in the draft next year so that takes care of the left side like dude just you know we've got this guy taking care of the left side all y'all have to do is handle the rest and we can't can't get that done yeah Yeah. go ahead let's do a little back and forth banter here I love it when we banter I think I think our audience loves it when we banter but agreed the offensive line is a is a big point of emphasis to finish out the regular season but i will i I just want to make this point i don't think they're being overmatched they're not getting they're not losing one-on-one matchups they're not in position right now there's defenses are scheming around our blocking assignments and people are running free so it the talent we have Sometimes you you have an offensive line that just gets overwhelmed with better defensive line players. They're they're losing one-on-one matchups. They're losing speed matchups, that sort of thing. That's not what's happening here. So we're getting out-schemed, you're thinking. We're we're getting out-schemed. And and maybe it's it's either out-schemed or out – I guess maybe our line is not – our line is not processing it quick enough what's happening. So I don't want to blame it all on coaching as far as, you know, telling them they're in the wrong positions or they're not picking up. But they're not picking up blitzes like they should. They're not in the right uh, positions when, when the blitzes come or when the rushes come or when they're doing, you know, some some swim move not swim moves, but – you know, where they would run around on the backside and trying to do Yeah, doing directions. one of these. Yeah, one of those. <laughs> you know what, what I'm talking about. What if I told you that Pete Golding took over the offensive line duties last week? Then would you blame <laughs> it on coaching? Did he have any broken fingers? Uh, <laughs> you're <laughs> all over the place that. that one. <laughs> I didn't say Billingsley. I said Golding. Uh, yeah, I was watching the game Saturday, and Tiffin texted me after – and that is a shame though about Bellingsley because that's one thing they need to work on too <laughs> between now and the end of the season is for to get him to catch the ball. But he had all those drops at A&M. And uh, if you remember that uh, assistant coach who shall be remain nameless, come on our podcast and, and, and let us know that Billingsley had four broken fingers in that game. <laughs> Two on each hand. Yeah, so Billingsley come in promptly Saturday and drop one, and Tiffin <laughs> text to me that about his broken fingers. And I, I don't remember that time. I was on the Blantons. We picked up a bottle of Blantons for sixty bucks. <laughs> That's a great deal, by the way. If you don't know. Uh, yeah. I, All right. Uh, so I, I said offensive line. We've gone back and forth on that, and you know we both agree it's got to get better. Linebacker is another point of emphasis, and you know we played. I felt like we played better at linebacker in this game so you know maybe to come around getting sanders back will help i don't understand how okay so i break a you know if i break my arm uh throwing the football in the back you know it really hurts on the long ones but you know if i if i break my arm if i break my arm in the backyard 
you know, I, I like, I'll enjoy lifting weights, Tom. Okay. <laughs> so I break my arm. I'm out. I'm, I don't, I can't lift weights for six weeks. That's kind of the magic number, you know, is six weeks to heal a bone. After six weeks, I can go back. I can start doing my daily activities again. Like, how are we breaking bones and uh, on game one and we're out for the season? But that's what Chris Allen did. Like, he broke a bone in his foot or something, and like he's out for the year. Like, how does I don't under, I don't get it. You know, ACL a- absolutely, you're out for the year. But uh, you know, I think if Sanders comes back, that's going to help our linebacking core and wide receiver. I put wide receiver down, and I tell you this: if we play like we did against Tennessee, I have no doubt that we can beat any team left on our schedule, including the playoffs, because. 11 has stepped up, like I said, to be that third guy. Mechie played so much better. I, I looked, I, of course, I found the tweet and didn't retweet it, but, like, I'll just kind of make it up. The first the first get up until Texas A&M, Mechie had, like, 25 catches and five touchdowns. And then after A&M, which has only been two games, he's had 23 catches and three touchdowns, something like that. Like, the numbers are really – it's like a light switch had flipped with him. And with Jamison running point and then Mechie being the number two guy, Treshawn Holden being three, you got Latou, you got Billingsley with his broken hands, and then you've got Slay Bolden. We're going to be pretty dangerous, you know. And i tell you what, I'm going to quit banging on Scott McMillan. You won. It took seven years, <laughs> but you won. Number four is playing great, okay. I, I if, You know, if what if four – what if one didn't transfer in and what if four said, you know what, I've been here four years, I, I'm just I'm done with football, I'm I'm either done or I'm gonna transfer out and play. Dude, our offense would not be in good hands right now. Four has really shown up. B Rob has shown up great. Jameson has shown up great. Uh, you know, I think maybe we can mature at just the right time and get rolling into Atlanta and we'll be okay. Yeah, I agree. And and I'll just uh, dang it, I keep forgetting we're not supposed to agree tonight. <laughs> but just, just in, uh, in, in, uh, what do you call that when you in summary? In summation. In summation. In summation. Receivers, yes. Running backs, good. Tight ends need to start catching the ball. No drops there. We need to pick up more blocking on the offensive line. I think we need more communication or better communication between the defense and the coaching staff. I think we're a little bit out of sync, like the safeties on Saturday. That's been a that's been some troublesome areas where we have some holes or some busted plays, that sort of thing. And I think that's a little bit of a communication area there. So that's that's something that can also be cleaned up. The things that you don't like to see at this point in the season is, oh, man, we got a cornerback that they just pick on all day because he can't cover anybody. Or they always run to the left side because our linebackers are getting plowed over. We don't have issues like that right now. We have scheme issues. We have being in the right place at the right time issues. And I would like to see Toto get a few more reps on the bench press in this offseason or, <laughs> or on this bye week, not the offseason, but the bye week because he does need to bulk up a little bit. But otherwise, there is some fixable stuff there. And, you know, I looked at the schedule. We have, we have LSU. We have Arkansas. We have the unknown soldier team, and then we have Auburn. Our 
closest line in that stretch is going to be Auburn and eight, ten. No, no more. Uh, seventeen. She okay. Seventeen. <laughs> Mark it down. Well, Mark and you know, I, I want to piggyback on something you said about our communication on defense. I let's look at the offense. You know, I, I'm no – like I said, I'm a ball watcher. When the ball is snapped, I watch the ball. And when the ball is handed to the running back, I watch the running back. And when the ball is thrown to the wide receiver, you know. So I don't know all the intricacies. I'm just a simple caveman lawyer, Tom. But when I was at uh, high was – when I was in high school um, or coaching, and uh, I never coached high school, coached middle school. But, I, you know, I'd go on the Friday nights and be on the sideline, be the clipboard holder. You know, we had a simple call. Like if we had 22 power uh, and then they overloaded the right side, then we would just flip it to 21 power. And all we did was say red 44 or blue 44, whatever color, you just named a color. And that means instead of running through the two hole, we're going to run through the one hole. And it's just such a cat and mouse chess match with our offense versus their defense. And we're struggling to get the ball off. And that just on the road, we're trying to audible it. Just, you know, whatever happened to just, hey, we're going to run this play. And if they give you a look, just run it to the other side. Is it, is, am I, am I just a simpleton? A little bit, yeah. It's I guess I am. <laughs> You know, it definitely I like worked the, in peewee ball, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. I remember right. us doing peewee ball. We would have triple reverses. <laughs> oh, dude, you ain't living if you didn't run the triple reverse. <laughs> Great. <laughs> With trip as your lead blocker, how are you going to lose? Show me. All right, let's look at uh, the bets. I, was, I don't know what you – I went one for one, and I'm proud as a pig in the slop. I had Ohio State – Easy winner, and then I had Virginia Tech, easy loser. So you had Wisconsin. Who else do you have? Yeah, I had the game of the year, which was Wisconsin. And I also had UCLA as a small favorite. And loser. They were winning the game 14 to nothing and then lost. Uh, I don't know how that happened. But, yeah, I also went one and one. All right, so sorry about that, guys. You're paying juice this week. All right, bets for this week, I'll give you game one because you, you know. Oh, you know what my game one is. I'm going back to the well. Wisconsin, again, for the back-to-back week wins over ranked teams this week. They've got Iowa, number nine, Iowa, and Wisconsin's a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I will take the Badgers. All right. It, it is a little early in the decade to throw this out, but I'm, I've got my decade play of the year this weekend coming up. This is a 10,000-star lock. You can move on this game as if it's already been played, and it is the Auburn War Eagles versus the Ole Miss Rebels. I like what Tom was selling earlier in that segment, but I just don't get – I don't buy it because Nick's looks better. He looked like he's turned the corner maybe. And it's at, it's at Jordan Hare, Tom. He's a dark horse for Heisman. Not Jordan. It's Jordan. J-O-R-D-A-N. Just like the famous basketball player, Michael Jordan. Mm. It's in Jordan Hare Stadium. It's at night. They're not going to lose. As bad as I hate it, they're not going to lose. It's, it's minus – Two and a half. I'm going to say two and a half. So, I'm taking Auburn, the Mighty War Eagle, Plainsman, uh, whatever else their nickname is, minus two and a half. That's a slap in the face to me. I called for a double-digit Ole Miss win, and you went you went that as your 10,000-star lock of the decade. Yeah, you learn to live it. Learn, learn to live it. Learn to love it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, second game for me, I juggled a couple here. 
I really think North Carolina is likely going to beat Notre Dame this weekend. It's not where I'm going. They're a small dog to Notre Dame. But it's I a free pick, as we like to call one. it in the business. But the play I'm going to go is is the play that I had mentioned several weeks ago about I took some <laughs> team against Clemson. I forget who it was and said some – some get, I think it was North Carolina State when North Carolina State beat Clemson. I mentioned that some teams just keep getting points for name recognition. Mm-hmm. And that's one of these that are coming up this weekend again. I don't know how in the world they think Oklahoma is a 20-point favorite over Texas Tech, but they do. Oklahoma, as I've already mentioned, has only beaten two teams by more than seven points this year, and one of those was Kansas last week where they had to get a garbage touchdown to do it. So give me the 20 points in Texas Tech. I think Tech just fired their coach. <laughs> so they're probably a dumpster fire. Don't 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 think I missed that one, ladies and gentlemen. I know, I know what's going on there, but Oklahoma, they, they can't beat Tulane by – Five, well, they could beat them by five. I, I stand corrected. They can't beat them by five. They can't beat, beat them, them by six. six. <laughs> so I'll, I'll take the Red Raiders and the 20. Well, I've got two. I actually had T-Tech written down just in case you took Auburn in my other second pick. So the free pick for me is Kentucky minus one at Mississippi State. I really feel like that line's out of whack. I don't know why Kentucky's not favored by six and a half, seven points. So that does not count for me or against me, but you can play that if you'd like. I'm going with Ohio State. They're playing probably the second-best football in the United States behind uh, Georgia. They're 18-and-a-half against Penn State, and that line opened up on Vegas Insider at 12-and-a-half, and it has moved basically a touchdown up. So I say give me Ohio State minus 18-and-a-half points and count your money, baby. So – Wisconsin, Auburn, T-Tech, Ohio State. Four-game par, page 10 to 1 on a good book, red44.com. What? Who? What? Do what? What just happened? I don't know. Anyway, let's close it out, Tom. We're over time. Uh, hey, as always, Tom, if you're going to hate Auburn, you've got to hate early and you've got to hate Auburn. Auburn? Auburn. <laughs> Let's try it again. Tom, if you're going to hate Auburn, you have to hate early and hate often. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Take it easy, guys. Have you seen Junior's grades?